tell them Proctor broke to his knees and wept like a woman. But... My, my name I cannot sign. Why? Do you mean to deny this confession when you are free? I mean to deny nothing. Then explain to me why you will because not... Because it is my name! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Originally, the title of this video was going to be centered around wokeism and cancel culture, but it would be kind of cliche for me to title this episode after a Substack article I wrote, which I've left a link to in the description. However, I think those elements are important to the subject of this video because when I think about the film The Crucible, I think, Christ, it really was ahead of its time. But maybe that's a bit of an understatement because when you think about the Salem Witch Trials overall, they kind of were ahead of their time too because I look at wokeism and cancel culture nowadays as just another form of the Salem Witch Trials or the McCarthy area witch red scare of communism in Hollywood. Now, I'm not saying there weren't communists in Hollywood, but to go on a witch hunt looking for everybody to assume that they were a communist is just pretty stupid. But then again, when you look at Joe McCarthy and how he died of, al of, of alcoholism, that goes to show you the kind of nutcase that often starts these kind of witch hunts. And The Crucible does pretty much the same thing because the character that Winnell Ryder plays, Abigail Williams, who is actually based off a real person from the Salem Witch Trials, started the whole, well, I don't know how much she, how, how big her role in real life was because again, The Crucible is a fictionalized account of the Salem Witch Trials. And although Abigail Williams was a real person and she was one of the main players in that, in that event that accused people of being witches, I can't really dictate how malicious the real Abigail... Ah, God, I'm screwing up the name Abigail. I can't really dictate how malicious Abigail, the real Abigail Williams was as opposed to the one we see in the film. Because, again, I don't know if the character that Daniel Day-Lewis, a.k.a. John Proctor, plays was real. He was probably based off somebody, and as to whether when O writers Abigail Williams is uh, is just based off the real one, because if the real one was a malicious person in love of another man, and she was willing to go as far as to accuse people of being witches up to the point where she could have the opportunity to accuse of his own wife as being of being a witch, so she could kill her. Nah, that's not outside the realm of possibility, because the one thing that the Communist Red Scare, the Salem Witch Trials, and the current phenomenon of wokeism and cancel culture have is that they all operate on a, on a manner of mass psychosis where if you just accuse people of something that is morally contradictory to the status quo norm of morality, people will automatically feel like they're scoring some form of brownie points. And when you look at the Salem Witch Trials, the time, the era, it was very religious, very Christian, very dedicated to the idea of God. And, I mean, let's be honest. Doing something that makes you look like a good person in front of a group of people can build a lot of good social status. And in the world we live in today, we claim that it's primarily based off social status. I personally disagree. I think it's always been like that. It's just become much more noticeable and 
strengthened to a greater extent. But there's always been some element of social status that plays how people perceive you and how much that helps you progress in the world. And in the case of the current state of wokeism, if you can accuse someone of being a racist, a sexist, a bigot, a fascist, or a white supremacist, you're automatically going to be looked at as some moral virtue, some moral hero, when really it's just bullshit virtue signaling to score the kind of brownie points that'll get you a TV show or give you some form of fame. I mean, for fuck's sake, the idea that a person can become an OnlyFans superstar is fundamentally absurd, but it's pretty much become like something that people can idolize. I mean, I once spoke to a friend who told me that I think he, I mean, my friend is a teacher and he was told by a group of students that he asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they actually told him they want to be, a, they want to be famous. And just thinking on that is just absurd because nowadays anybody can become famous by doing something fundamentally retarded. I mean, look at Sam Bankman-Fried. I mean, he was famous prior to scamming people out of all that money. But the fact that he that he was looked upon as some genius or some hero is something that a lot of people idolized or envied. And the fact that that's a person you want to be is kind of embarrassing. Granted, I do have respect for people like Steve Jobs who are innovators. I mean, they could be, I mean, they might as well be assholes, but at least they're critically thinking and they give you the idea that they had a sense of vision rather than just becoming famous. I realize that the way I'm trying to articulate this is kind of in the, going in the direction of me talking out of my ass, but that's pretty much my life story when it comes to doing film reviews because I really don't like operating on a script. I really like just explaining why I think a film matters. And with The Crucible, I think it's a perfect warning of the type of mass psychosis that is formed under, these, under things like cancel culture, the Salem witch trials, and the communist Red Scare because it's basically in a, a phenomenon where groups of people will stand by a belief and they will abide by it regardless of whether they are thinking critically or not. I mean, you could even show them evidence that contradicts whatever basis they're going on and they'll still abide by it. And when there's morality tied to it, that even strengthens it. Because I think Noam Chomsky said it best when he says that most people... There are very few people out there that will truly admit that they're a bad person. I mean, it takes a really mature, critically thinking, and emotionally uh, huh, emotionally resilient person to admit to themselves, whenever they look in the mirror, I'm a bastard. Very few people do that. I think a good example is Char... Ch uh, sorry, tongue twist there. I think a perfect example is Chuck Palahniuk, the writer of the novel Fight Club, as well as the two sequels, Fight Club 2 and Fight Club 3, which are graphic novels, and if you want to check them out, check out Amazon, because I just bought Fight Club 2, the graphic novel, and I'm really looking forward to reading it, because I recently finished re uh, reading Fight Club for the second time, as well as watching the movie, and that review is coming up soon. Now, going back to The Crucible, and the idea of moral virtue signaling, and how that relates to Chuck Palahniuk. Palnik once told Rogan a personal secret of his, and I'll attach a link down below where he admits, yeah, I'm a bad person. And although Joe Rogan was very humble and trying to be compassionate, oh, come on, are you a bad person? And he says, I'm a bad person. And then he shared a little personal secret. It was nothing devious, nothing evil, nothing 
nothing malicious or even wicked, but just something that most people will never truly admit, like the kind of personal thoughts I'm sure a lot of people have and even feel some sense of shame for having, but they're not intellectually or emotionally mature enough to truly confront them. And that's what Chuck Palahniuk is about when it comes to the stuff he writes. It's about confrontation, about challenging people to look at themselves as well as the beliefs they've held up until that point. <clears throat> Sorry, got stuck there. And with the crucible and the type of mass psychosis that it is based off, there's something very terrifying about that because the fact that a group of people can gather around an ideology, follow it to the T, where they stop thinking critically, and even when the evidence is shown before them, they still continue abiding by it to the point where it comes to the expense of people who were just victims caught in the crossfire of, of, of whatever accusation or beliefs they, they were following is very terrifying because I look at wokeism now as just another form of censorship. I mean, they claim, the way that the wokeists or the cancel culture supporters go by is that they are abdicating for free speech, even though that means shutting someone up, someone they don't like, someone who's nasty. And regardless of how you feel about someone like uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., Alex Jones, or Donald Trump, and I'm not a fan of Trump, or I mean, and I, I'm fascinated by Kennedy. As for Alex Jones, he's, fun to, he's interesting to watch because he can be entertaining. As to whether I believe all the things he says, eh, who knows. He's interesting to watch regardless. But it doesn't matter how I feel about them. Whether I had a much more negative opinion of them, I would never want them canceled or shut up because claiming that their right to free speech is dangerous is just another way of saying that free speech is irrelevant and doesn't exist. Whether it's rather exclusive rather than inclusive and more diversely based. And ironically, that's what the people that support cancel culture and wokeism are all about, diversity even though the way they approach it is very contradictory. And when you look at the Salem Witch Trials overall, I mean, the idea that they were hanging people in the name of God because they believe that they were witches or just simply practicing witchcraft is kind of against one of the things that the early Christians believed in, and that was the sanctity of the Ten Commandments. And one of them, although, oh, and although I don't know all the Ten Commandments, which just goes to show you how terrible a Christian I am when I'm not. I'm actually an atheist. But the one principle, one of the Ten Commandments I do follow is that shall not kill. And yet, this entire community set on being as godly and as Christian as possible decides to execute people left and right. And they can get away with, they give themselves a free pass because it's in the name of God. The same way the supposed free, free speech absolutists on the side of wokeism claim to be for free speech are all about shutting up people they don't like or who express something that they misinterpret as a form of bigotry or over-exaggerate where they can justify their claims. Again, we're in a current time where just, just having the, the courage to say how you feel about something is considered dangerous, and that's terrifying because... The Crucible serves as a perfect warning, and for those of you not familiar with The Crucible, which I should have mentioned in the beginning, which goes to show you how terrible of a podcaster I am, even when I'm being humble of how I'm shooting this into the dark, 
but The Crucible was written by Arthur Miller, a playwright who was actually married to Marilyn Monroe, but then he eventually married somebody else, and he actually is Daniel Day-Lewis's father-in-law because he's the father of his wife, Rebecca Miller, which he mentioned in his Oscar speech when he won the Academy Award for There Will Be Blood, which is his, the greatest role he's ever played up until this point. And God, please, Daniel Day-Lewis, on the unlikely event that you are actually listening to this podcast, which I said is highly unlikely because you have better things to do, please return to acting. Phantom Fred was fantastic, and I know you have so much more to give. But going back to The Crucible and how Arthur Miller wrote that play and the film itself was based off that play, it's, very te- it's just very interesting to see how on the nose that, that play was in depicting the kind of insanity where mass groups of people can organize around a particular belief to the point where they turn into an angry mob. And even if they, and, and in this case, it, it can actually garner the opportunists. I mean, what I mean by that is that even with the people who sincerely believe whatever bullshit the culture is, is providing or forcing, shoving down their throats, there are those who will see an opportunity that if they can accuse someone of being whatever is contradictory to the mass belief at the current moment, then they can take advantage of it. In the case of The Crucible, there's a character played by, I don't know the name of the actor, he played Mr. Rooney in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He plays this guy named Putnam, and he has a dispute with one of the characters, Giles Corey, because apparently his land, he wants his land and he's wanted it for a very long time and he uses bullshit excuses how certain parts of it intercede with his own property and how that gives him the right to it when he starts making him and his wife start making accusations that him and his wife are practicing witchcraft that gives him the opportunity to seize most of his land which is nothing new because I look at the current state of wokeism today and how it allows people to score the kind of moral brownie points that justify them elevating themselves or even getting rewarded for it is pretty much something we've seen in humanity for a very long time. I mean, making yourself look like a good person is good for your social status. And with good social status, you pretty much open a window of opportunities that you never had before. Where you can, like, uh, say, I mean, obviously, say you were part, oh God, what's a perfect example? I mean, we know that plenty of people who work for a presidential administration, even if they spout bullshit, can end up getting a job on a major news outlet. I mean, look at Jen Psaki, the former White House secretary. Complete bullshitter, possibly a sociopath for the lies that she told, yet she has a segment on MSNBC. What does that tell you? All she has to do is just pretend to be a good person or just pretend to be for whatever bullshit they're spouting, and afterwards, even if she looked like a complete idiot in in the more important career that she had, she can immediately get a job on something that actually still has some relevance to wider audiences, even if I really don't care about MSNBC or CNN. I think those outlets are dead or on the verge of dying because the fact that Joe Rogan has more subscribers and viewers than CNN, which used to be one of the biggest news channels of all time, just goes to show you the power these institutions are losing, which is a good thing. But I think that's the reason why I think a film like The Crucible is important, because it serves as a warning as well as an instrument of 
self-awareness of how you should always be critical of what beliefs are being flaunted to mass, to mass groups and mass audiences because it allows you to not only cut through the bullshit, but it allows you to think individually rather than part of a collective. Now, as social animals, human beings need to organize and communicate with one another. There's no disputing that. But if you're not thinking for yourself and you're just going with what or the crowd goes by, well, you're not really thinking at all. You're just simply perform, performing or just participating in a form of mass conformity that eradicates your own sense of individuality or ability to think critically as to why you believe something rather than the importance of what that belief constitutes. And look, I'm sure there are people out there that still believe witchcraft and witches are real and I'm not going to judge. Who knows what the fuck is true in this day and age, especially when we can't even tell whether something is a UFO or not. But if you don't even think about why you believe it or give a good reason as to why you believe it or why you've been able to legitimize believing it and you still believe it, even when there's material that contradicts it, then that's something to be alarmed by because, again, I don't, I don't think everybody should ex- like try like, and submit reasons why they believe something. But I think that they should start at least thinking about why they believe it and what you can be- what ultimate benefit it can bring for them and even the people around them rather than some some highly destructive form of conformity. Anyway, that's enough of me spouting bullshit and trying to justify this intellectual analysis of the crucible and why it is important, aside from the fact that Daniel Day-Lewis is in it. Anyway, I hope you'll enjoy this episode of Open Door Films. Check out the affiliate links I've left down below. Check out the Bitcoin buying links I've left down below. Check out the sponsors of this podcast. The first being Spotify for Podcasters, which allows all you wannabe podcasters to create your podcast for free. It's very simple. Just click the link down below, and within a matter of minutes, you'll be a podcaster. Okay, it's not that simple, but you'll be able to record yourself and distribute your recording across all the platforms out there, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Lisbon, CurioCaster, PodFreeze, or even the second sponsor of this podcast, which is Fountain. And that podcasting app lets you listen to your favorite podcasts, but earn Bitcoin at the same time. And I've mentioned plenty of times before in this podcast how much I love Bitcoin and why I think it's incremental. And I think that cooking up with a a podcasting app like Fountain is a good start for those of you who are still unfamiliar but curious about Bitcoin. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Until next time.